let me invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. We are starting a new study here, so if this is your first time here, welcome. My name is Ben Hurd. I'm the senior pastor. We're glad to have you here. And so for the next several months, we're going to be jumping into this incredible book. And we will be here uh, up until at least May. I'm still working through some things uh, Towards the end, it gets into marriage, and we're going we're gonna to break apart and look at the, the role of the husband separately, the, whole, the role of a, of a wife. And, and so we're going to really break that down. We're going to look at parenting. We're going to look at what it looks like uh, to be an overseer in a business. We're going to look like what it means to be an employee. And so many different things that are awesome about this book. And so today, what I want to focus on is just taking a big picture view of what the book is all about and help you understand why we are going to go through this over the next several months. So before we jump into that, let me just pray for us this morning. Father, I thank you for your grace, for your mercies that are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lord, you are worthy of praise. Lord, you are great. You have rescued us, Lord. People who were lost without hope at the right time you sent Jesus who died on the cross for our sin. Thank you for the reminder this morning. And may our hearts sing no other name but Jesus. Father, we need you this morning. I pray as we kind of take the big picture view of Ephesians that you would fill our hearts with hope, that you would fill our hearts with excitement of what your word says for us, Lord. And we need you this morning. And so would you bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you believe that doctrine is important? How many believe that the study of theology is something that is worth our attention in our time? This morning, we are going to go to seminary. How many of you want to go to Bible school this morning? <laughs> we're going we're gonna to jump into theology class a little bit. There's a few words that I want to define for you. Not only is doctrine important, though, it also informs us in how we are to live. To believe in certain doctrines truly means that our life changes. We can't simply believe something and then have our life make no change at all. That doesn't line up. And here's the unique thing about the book of Ephesians. It's, it's broken up into two sections. The first three chapters are mainly focused on doctrine. And they are what we call the indicatives of Scripture. They are the indicatives of Scripture, Ephesians 1 through 3. And the indicative, what, what that means is it, it's, it means who we are in Christ. The first three, three chapters define our identity being in Christ as believers. Meanwhile, the last three chapters, chapters 4 through 6, Focus on how one should live in light of doctrine. It's the imperative of scriptures. It's, it's how we should live in light of who we are in Christ. Like we can't just live in our identity and, and be. There's also something that our life should then follow and we do because of who we are in Christ. We can't just Hold on to one or the other. It's also true that you can't just jump into the imperatives of how now shall we live without understanding who our identity lies in. 
Because if we forget our identity, we might find ourselves depending on our own strength. We might find ourselves boasting in, in what we can do when what we do should be an overflow of who we are in Christ. And so we're going to jump into this morning. And the first thing I want us to understand is this. Doctrine matters. Doctrine matters. As we get started, let me define a few theological terms for you. First of all, what is theology? Who could tell me what theology is? The study of God. Very simply, theology is the study of God. Do you know that there are, are different ways to study theology? There are different ways that we can look at it. For instance, there's historical theology. Now, if you were looking to nail down what do you truly believe about God and the scriptures, this would not be the best way to nail down where you land. Because the, re, the, the truth is, historical theology is taking a look at the development of theology throughout history. So as you look, it, it doesn't mean that God changes, but we do see in the Old Testament the sacrificial system, for instance. How many of you were sacrificing animals this week? Hopefully you weren't. If you were, we got some problems. <laughs> and the elders would love to talk to you after the service. Like, we don't have to sacrifice animals. This is not something that we had to do. But in the Old Testament, was that part of what the people of God had to do for the sake of their sins? Yes, there was a sa whole sacrificial animal system where they had to bring a spotless lamb. And they had all these different kind of rules with sacrifices. We no longer have to deal with that. But if you were to look at theology from a historical standpoint, you would see that, that theology in the Old Testament. Here's another way that you could look at theology. Biblical theology. Again, this is, not, this is not something that you would want to study in order to find out where do I land at theologically. Because biblical theology, takes a, it's the study of distinctive themes in various sections of Scripture. So, for instance, if you were to just take James by yourself, the book of James, you might think that you are saved by what? Works. Because it says faith without works is dead. This is why we don't just look at things from a biblical perspective. James did not mean that we have to earn our salvation by good works. That's impossible to do. But the reality is, are good works part of salvation? Yes, in the sense that when God saves us, we will be doing good works because God has laid them out in advance that we should walk in them. And that is a representation of a true believer. He lives it out. But biblical theology, takes a, it's the study of distinctive themes in various sections of scriptures. Now, if you want to figure out and nail down your theology, here is the way that you want to study theology. You want to study systematic theology. Here's what systematic theology is. It's the study of the entirety of Scripture to gather everything Scripture teaches about biblical issues. In other words, it answers the question, what should I believe about a certain topic in light of what the Bible says about it? And this ultimately leads us to what doctrine is. Doctrine is what systematic theology teaches about a particular subject. 
For instance, the doctrine of God the Father, doctrine of the Son, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of man, the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of the church. And a major doctrine that we see in Ephesians is the doctrine of salvation and understanding what salvation is really matters for us, which is the main reason why I want to take time to go through the book of Ephesians. I want to turn with me now. Let's look at Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. And if you've been with us any length of time, you have heard these scriptures quoted because this speaks to what salvation is. And we must understand this because if we get this wrong, this will trip us up in how we live out our salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says the following. For by grace... You have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. Would you say that the doctrine of salvation is a major doctrine? Absolutely. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We cannot get this wrong. We can't afford, we cannot afford to get this wrong. Otherwise, it throws everything off. If we believe somehow that we can earn our salvation by our good works, it completely takes away from the good news of salvation. I mean, think about it this way. If we could somehow earn our salvation, can't we then lose it somehow because of our sin after our conversion? And would that sin then nullify it? If we could somehow do something good enough to earn God's favor, wouldn't that mean somehow we could do something bad enough to unearn it? This is why it's so important to understand that salvation is a gift from God. Not by works, because nobody has room to boast. Doctrine matters. And Ephesians 1 is loaded with theological concepts that have caused splits in the church. Chosen before the foundation of the world. Predestination. We'll be jumping into that next week, so you're going to have to hold off for... For that next week. But these are huge theological concepts. And the first half of Ephesians is packed with theological and doctrinal discussions. And clearly, for Paul, doctrine mattered to him. And if it mattered to him, it should matter to us. And really, we could, we could, cla- we could classify the first three chapters by saying this. We must get the gospel right. We must get the gospel right. We, we live in a world that wants to make its own truth. Everybody gets to decide themselves what's, what truth is. You ever heard this? What's true, for tr- what's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. Can we just acknowledge that the world cannot possibly thrive when everybody has a different truth? Truth is found in God and his word alone. Amen? 
I want you to turn with me, keep a finger here, because we're going to be going all throughout Ephesians. But turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is, this is vital for us to see. And, and I think as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, what we're going to see is a picture of the world today. I mean, this is written 2,000 years ago, and yet the truth of 2 Timothy, we see it with our own eyes today. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 4, says the following. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Have you seen that true today? Where people are looking to surround themselves with people who will scratch an itch that they have, that they'll say what they want to say. I am appalled at what I have been seeing on the internet lately of who is preaching at these quote-unquote churches. Recently, I, I literally saw, not, not a hidden, not like I, I like observed it, like this has to be, no, literally this is what they said, this drag queen is preaching, quote-unquote, in a church. Brothers and sisters, the world has lost its mind. But if we aren't careful, if we don't guard and protect our doctrine, we may not have ever have a drag queen preach in our church. We will not as long as I am the pastor here. But we can find ourselves drifting in little ways. And we can get ourselves into difficult situations. If I start boasting in my own works, that's going to be fatal to me, and it could be fatal to those who are listening. We must guard our doctrine. Doctrine matters. This is why Paul wrote earlier in 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. There's not your truth and my truth. There is only God's truth. Amen? A hot word in, in the world today is the word deconstruction. Have you heard this? People, deconst I'm deconstructing my faith. Now, I, honestly, I don't think that's completely bad. Like, there are things that some of you should probably deconstruct in your minds. There are things I had to deconstruct. I lived in this, this legalistic world as a young Christian thinking that you had to do certain things and you couldn't do other things. And if you did these other things, then you were somehow this really bad person. And, and really these, these other things that I looked at really negative were not really negative in and of themselves. So there's a certain part when you deconstruct. But when people deconstruct completely and leave the faith, what does that mean? It means to me that doctrine never really mattered to them in the first place. It means that they never truly understood what Do the doctrine of salvation was. I don't, I don't think that they lost their salvation. I don't think they were believers to begin with. We must come to understand truly what salvation is. 
we must come to understand what are the doctrines of Scripture that matter. If we misunderstand the gospel, it will wreck us down the road. And I believe Ephesians will help us get the gospel right. The first few chapters are filled with the understanding that God is at the forefront of our salvation. He is the giver of life, and he decides the rules to it. And it is not something that we can be good enough to earn. I cannot emphasize this reality enough. We must get the gospel right. Brothers and sisters, let me ask you, are you getting the gospel right? So to recap, the first three chapters of Ephesians, we must remember that doctrine matters and we must get the gospel right. Now as we consider the last three chapters of Ephesians, here is what we're going to see. Living out doctrine matters. Living out doctrine matters. Look again, turn back to Ephesians 4. Uh, 4. Look at Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 with me. I therefore, so brothers and sisters, whenever we see a therefore, what do we do? See what it's there for, right? We have to look back. So basically what Paul is saying, hey, in light of everything that I've said in the first three chapters, do this. A prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In essence, what Paul is saying is in light of all the doctrine I've laid out, live a life worthy of your identity in Christ. In other words, Put your doctrine into practice. To truly believe something means you are truly living it out. Now, I could say all day, man, I am an amazing cook. But how do you know whether or not I'm a good cook? By tasting the food, right? Reese, am I a good cook, at least at times? Let me give you a picture of my favorite meal. I, think, I feel like I probably showed this, so maybe I'm getting prideful here, but... But here's, here's like my, if you ask my family, what's the main dish that dad makes that's amazing? It's this right here. Anybody know what that is? Stromboli. Oh, man, I make a mean stromboli from scratch. I don't buy no store-bought bread. I make my own. I, I get the, the, the dough to rise. Like, it, it is amazing. It's very good. It is awesome. Uh, and a $50 donation will get you one. All right, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> But I, I, I can't just say I'm a good cook and then not show it, right? There are many people who think they're good cooks, but you taste their food and you're like, brother, find something different to do, right? <laughs> like, the, the same thing is true for believers. We can say all day long that we are believers in Christ, but if our actions don't line up to what we say our identity is, then we can no longer claim that identity. Now listen, we, we must first understand here. That we're going to fall short. 
we, we're not going to match up completely to what we say and who we say we are. But we, we still can ask ourselves, do I have the pattern of godliness in my life? Am I becoming more and more like Jesus as the days and the weeks and the months and the years go by? Can, does my identity match the way I'm living? Am I living out who I say I am in Christ? Living out our doctrine matters. And there are several ways here uh, of living out our faith that Ephesians lays out. Uh, unity is one of them. Look at uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, all who is over all and through all and in all. Look at verses 11 through 13. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the, to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. One of the ways that we live out our identity in Christ is by getting along with other believers. Because we understand our salvation. We understand that we have been saved by grace, not apart from works. And so we can't just accept others by their good works. We can't just look at others and, and expect them to measure up to everything God calls them to do. And if they break the law in one point, then we reject them. That does not reflect the gospel at all. That does not reflect our identity that is found in a gracious Savior who loved us despite the fact that we were his enemies at one time. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we got it all together. Another true sign of a Christian life is forgiveness. Look at Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. What is one of the greatest ways that we live out our doctrine is by forgiving others. I mean, how can we claim the righteousness of Christ has been given to us and then for us to be bitter people? The foundation of the gospel is Christ forgiving us. So who are we to decide so-and-so doesn't deserve my forgiveness, but, but I deserve forgiveness? Like, how, how can we decide that? This is why doctrine matters, and this is why living doctrine out matters. Because a forgiving heart is one that understands the doctrine of their salvation. That they were saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, apart from good works. Christ forgave us. Forgiveness is a part of living out our doctrine. In chapter 5, Paul goes on to define what the Christian marriage should look like. Yesterday, for the first time in gospel community church history, we had a wedding here in the building. And I preached out of chapter 5. And Paul here defines the, the picture of marriage, that it is the love between Christ 
and the church. Living out doctrine as a wife means you submit to your husband and you respect him. Living out doctrine as a husband means you love your wife and you bathe her in the word so that you may present her to Christ with splendor, without blemish. In chapter 6, we look at parenting. Living out our doctrine as children means we obey our parents and honor them. Fathers, in light of your calling, don't exasperate your children. Then in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, we see a very popular section of Scripture. Let's turn there real quick. Ephesians 6, 10 through 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Living out our doctrine involves preparation. The Christian life is not a passive life. Just because Christ does the work to save us doesn't mean we have no part to play in living out our salvation. There are things that we are called to do now in light of who we are in Christ. Living out our doctrine matters. And there's another way we can say this. So not only are we to get the gospel right, we must get the gospel out. Getting the gospel out isn't only speaking the gospel. Certainly that is part of it. There's a saying that you may have heard that I no longer really like because I think it's missing a big piece, but it says, have you ever heard preach the gospel and use words if you have to? Well, let's just acknowledge, like, how, how does anybody come to the gospel unless they hear? So I don't like that because it misses the fact that we are still to speak the gospel. That is still part of it. But the big part of that statement is the fact that we should be preaching the gospel with our lives. We can't say we believe one thing and then live another. Because if we're living a different way than what we say we believe, then we don't truly believe it. It's not truly something that is in us. We must live it out. What is one of the biggest criticisms of the church by the world? Hypocrites. Not living out what they say they believe. But, but can we just acknowledge something? Isn't there truth in that, though? Aren't we all hypocrites? I mean, how many of you this morning can say for the entirety of your Christian life, you've just nailed it 100% of the time? <laughs> if you have, we need to have a conversation because you're either Jesus or you are a lunatic. And I, I can guarantee which one it is. <laughs> Nobody here is nailing it 100%. We're all hypocrites in some form or fashion. And for that matter, let's just acknowledge that every single person who has ever lived apart from Jesus Christ is a hypocrite. Nobody in the entirety of the world lives out 100% of what they say they believe. Do you, do you believe that to be true? And so when everybody says, you know, I'm not going to church, it's full of hypocrites. I'm like, you're exactly right. And guess what? There's room for one more. <laughs> because we all fall short. However, we must ask ourselves a question. Does the regular pattern 
of my life match that of someone who is a believer in Christ? Is there a growing in godliness? Is there a growing in Christ's likeness that you can see in your life? Brothers and sisters, let me just be bold with you this morning. If you are the same person today as you were when you said you came to Christ, you are not a believer unless you were just born again. If you think you've been saved for 20, 30, 40 years, and your life looks no different now than it did the day that you came to Christ, something is seriously wrong with you. We must get the gospel out, and that is, involves the way that we live our lives. When our lives match our doctrine, the gospel gets out. And I want to share with you something I, I, I feel fully convinced of. The world doesn't need perfect Christians. First of all, it doesn't exist. The world doesn't need perfect Christians. For too long, there have been too many Christians who claim or act like they have it all together. The world is tired of it. It's a major turn off when you act like you have it all together and you separate yourself and you snub your nose to those who don't look like you do. Now listen, let's be clear. Let's acknowledge the fact that there will still be people, no matter how you live your life, who will reject you and will reject Christ no matter what. But I believe if we are still living here on this earth that the work is not done. And there are people of God who have yet to come to Christ. And we get to participate in that adventure. And the way we participate is by living out the gospel. Not perfectly. Not without flaws. Not without stumbling. But we do so with authenticity. We do so in humility. You know, my, my kids... My kids know that I am far from perfect. I don't, I don't have to tell them that. So if I act like I have it all together, it just comes across as so fake to them. But you know what, like really, you know what I really see draws them to me? It's when I respond in humility to them. It's when I, when I screw up, I go to them and I, and I seek forgiveness. And I acknowledge the fact that, you know what, bud, that was, what I did there was completely offhand. That was not of a person who follows Christ. I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? You know, the more, I, my kids are drawn to me far more in those opportunities than when I act like I have it all together. My, my kids don't need a perfect dad because that, that person doesn't exist. That person needs a perfect Savior who paid the price for our sins so that they may be made right. And when I can show them the fact that your dad is a broken person, your dad is far from having it all together. But my hope is in Jesus Christ. This is why we need Christ. This is why we go to church so that we can be reminded of these things because our hearts tend to drift. That's what the world needs to see. That's what will draw his people to himself is by Christians living Authentic Christian lives. 
So let me encourage you today. First and foremost, remember that doctrine matters. It is important that we strive to get the gospel right. Our mission is to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. In order to make disciples, we must understand how a person becomes one. This is why, as we read, why Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.15 to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman that has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Study the scriptures. Seek the Lord in your studies. Listen, one, one fault I see in my life, one fault I see in others is that we open up God's word and we get frustrated because immediately we run to commentaries and we try to understand what the text means. And, and, I, and I think that's all good. I run to commentaries. But I, I'm trying to, and I do train myself to seek the Lord while I'm reading it first. Lord, what does this mean? And then coming to the commentaries later, Lord, am I, am I in line with what your word says? Seek the Lord. The Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in every believer. If you've repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Study the scriptures. Don't use excuses like, well, I'm a simple-minded man. Man, if you understood, I, I am not the sharpest tool in the shed. And I don't just say that for your benefit. I say that because it's absolutely true. My wife reads circles around me. She can read a book in like two hours, like a 300-page book in like two hours. I'm like, what? I could barely read a chapter in two hours. And then if you ask me what I read, I forget it. And she remembers everything. <laughs> I am not the sharpest guy. But my dependence is not, it, not on my own flesh. It's in the Holy Spirit who dwells within me. So don't allow your simple mind to keep you from being a student of the word. Doctrine matters. We must get the gospel right. And not only that, it is vital that we live out that doctrine. That our lives match what we say our identity is. And so as you evaluate your life this morning, let me ask you this. Are you getting the gospel out, not only by word, but by your deeds? May we be genuine believers who authenticate the message that we proclaim. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. And I look forward to what you have for us in the coming months as we look at the book of Ephesians, Lord. As we evaluate and see the depths and the riches of what your word says, of the, the doctrine that we read about in Ephesians 1 through 3, Lord. As we read and study and think and ponder your great salvation. God, we're going to need your help. We're going to need your wisdom. We're going to need your spirit to speak through us. And so, Lord, would you, would you bless us in the coming months, Lord, that we would dive in. Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to see things that maybe we haven't seen, Lord. If there are some faulty thinking that we have in our theology, Lord, would you graciously correct it? 
And Father, ultimately I pray that you would allow all of this to lead to fruit in our lives. God, we need you. We, we, are, we are a fallen people. We still struggle with sin. But God, our hope is in Jesus. How great are you that you've rescued us. Lord, thank you for the encouragement that we have in your word. Thank you for your spirit that goes with us and opening our hearts to you, Lord. So be glorified, be magnified, and we thank you in Jesus' name.